Hi. What the fuck, Alana? Dalen. And I'm your nightmare, Eric. And welcome to Loyal's Book Club, a podcast dedicated to dissecting and discussing Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. But before we get behind these chapters, we want to take you behind the bar. So tonight's cocktail is the understated Cosmopolitan. I was telling Eric before we started, this is our first uh, Shaken podcast. Uh, do you want to kind of get into the dynamics of a shaken drink versus like a gin and tonic or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, there's a couple of different styles of drinks. You either have a built cocktail, a stirred cocktail, or a shaken cocktail. A built literally means that the cocktail is built in the glass. So, you know, your G&T, you literally put the gin and the tonic and yeah. bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> You're done. You don't got to do anything else. Now, don't get me wrong. You can stir those ingredients to combine right. them. Absolutely. But a stirred drink is uh, different in that we actually want to uh, stir the ice in to dilute the drink. Yeah. To combine the ingredients a little bit more, et cetera, et cetera. But now, shaken. You know, shake, and now we're getting into James Bond oh, yeah. territory. You know, is where you add in all your ingredients or some of your ingredients. If you're adding some after the fact, yeah, you put it in your tin Boston shaker and shake it with ice. And what this does is, it combines the ice, it dilutes it, it, it kind of takes off an edge from that liquor taste. It also yeah. combines the ingredients a lot more aggressively than a stirred drink. Yes. This is also why you don't shake stirred drinks you know yeah. um you might like your martinis shaken but if i ever see you shake a manhattan i'm not coming back to your bar because exactly because that will lead you to uh, what is called bruising the drink and that's essentially taking away the edge of the flavors that you yeah. want um because you want your cocktail to take you want like there to be that kick of alcohol mm -hmm. not too much where you're like Oof. Yeah. but you you ordered a drink to have a drink not a watered down drink Exactly. And typically your shaken drinks, they're going to have complex ingredients. And what yeah. I mean by that is I literally mean the complexity of the chemical makeup. So yeah. you got your spirit, you got your acid, you got your sugar. Yeah, like a whiskey sour. Like a whiskey sour. And actually a whiskey sour is a perfect example because uh, if you're doing a classic whiskey sour with the egg yolk, or sorry, the egg white, well... Don't do that with oh the God. egg yolk. <laughs> Sunny side out. <laughs> oh, God, that sounds terrible, and we absolutely have to experiment with that sometime. <laughs> but if you do a classic <laughs> whiskey sour... Eric looked to me as if I was going to go, yeah! <laughs> uh, what you typically do, like, traditionally, classically, and, you know, there's so many ways to streamline these drinks and basically have the same type of drink, but going from, like, the classic traditional whiskey sour, what you do is you combine your egg white you break down that egg white with uh, an acid, which is your lemon juice, but then you emulsify the egg with sugars. And the yeah. sugars literally build back the broken down components of the egg. That's how you get that meringue, you know, that, right. that froth and stuff. Um, and that's exactly what Dalen did with our Cosmos tonight. You know, yeah. he, he combined the spirit, the vodka, you know, the uh, other liqueur, triple sec, which has a healthy amount of sugar. Oh, the, yeah. The lime juice and a little bit of cranberry, and uh, he shook it all around to combine those ingredients into this pretty little drink, the Cosmopolitan. And yeah. Cosmopolitans are, if you are starting up your bar, are a very fun drink to kind of build up your skills with uh, shaking. It's kind of an art, a little bit. I remember in bartending school, you have to align the cups just right so when it shakes, nothing leaks out. 
And there's different types of Boston shakers. There's the traditional two cups. There is the, it's just one big cup with a lid with a strainer at the top. Um, so if you have the two cups, I really advise you do get a strainer just to make sure the ice doesn't get into the drink. But um, a Cosmo is pretty simple. It's if you love Sex in the City, Carrie orders these all the time. <laughs> yep, made made famous again by Sex in the City. The Cosmopolitan was all the rage in the 1980s. Uh, yes. And that's because of its fun color. It has a little bit of cranberry juice in there. Um, and this is actually a good little tidbit for anybody. If you ever come across a recipe that calls for a splash of something, typically means you're not adding that in for a flavor component. You're adding it in for color. Yeah. So, like, think of your Long Island iced tea calls for a splash of coke and that's just to darken it to make it look like an iced tea yeah so it doesn't look like you're just straining straight alcohol exactly even though you are, even though you, are you yeah fucking alcoholic Oof. i love my alcohol adios motherfucker yeah exactly exactly Oof. although that one that one's not even splash that is just like dump in some of the uh the blue curse out yeah make that blue um but yeah otherwise the yeah the cosmo is a great one to have in your arsenal yeah. it is a multiple ingredient multiple component thing and honestly should be a pretty basis of what you should have at your bar between lime juice, triple sec, vodka for sure, cranberry and juice. cranberry juice. Yeah. Uh, those are all very popular across the board for many recipes you'll be doing. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, I guess if we're going to go into even some more details, this is uh, actually technically a martini drink. Mm. And that is because it is uh, very much like Dalen did for us. I'm going to describe it to you because we are not a visual medium. <laughs> uh, he served it up in a martini glass, meaning it doesn't have any ice. It's served in a glass that is chilled so that it retains its flavor, but it doesn't have any ice added to it, so it doesn't dilute the drink as you drink yes. it. Um, yeah, that's all I got. And when you, you know, as a little, uh, bartending is about presentation. And so whenever you find yourself making a stemmed beverage, what you want to do is make sure you scoop some ice into the cup and leave it out for your guests to see. So then you can kind of, it's the, ooh, what's happening? And so when you pull, when you dump the ice out and you pour the drink, they get to see their cocktail made and it's that little like she, uh, chef's kiss, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, make sure you fill that uh, glass up with either flat or soda water so that way all the glass is uh, in touch with some very chilling factor. Um, and of course, if you are rich and bougie and have <laughs> your own glass chiller, I envy you. Uh, you can always keep those in there, you know, at your leisure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. I got nothing else about the Cosmo. I, I got it's nothing delicious. I got nothing else either. You can do it with a sugar rim. Uh, yes. if you ever want to try that for, for, for a spot, much like the lemon drop. Lemon drop would be a good one to do sometime. Ooh, yeah. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, and it's a simple lime garnish, nothing too crazy. I think, yeah, if you, uh, uh, yeah, it's nothing that'll break your bank. I think you can do it for really cheap, and I think it's just if you have a glassware, mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, and uh, even more to the uh, the lime garnishing, um, you know, again, just getting detailed <laughs> for all you advanced uh, mixers out there. This one calls traditionally for a lime wheel, very much tapping into what Dalen was saying about presentation. Especially in the 80s, it was all about color. It was all about fun. Yes. The green and the pink play really well together, 
especially in a nightclub that were all oh, the rage yeah. with all those fancy lasers that were just coming out. <laughs> oh, the coke helped too. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're gacked off that coke. Man, I would love to try '80s coke. I'd, I'm too afraid to try coke now. Right. I feel like that pure, unfiltered, where you're just like. You're at Studio 54, you're doing coke with Bernadette <laughs> Peters and Stephen Sondheim. She's like, wonderful, Stephen, we just closed a little night music. And with that, I think we're ready to dive into the next five chapters. Uh, yeah. Very much just like this uh, prologue was my favorite prologue of the book, we got one of my favorite chapters of the series yes. so far. We'll, we'll get there when we get there, but I just wanted to state that ahead of time. So we start with chapter six, Threads Woven Into Shadow, and... And this is a symbol we haven't seen. No, I, I, it's I, the, I, I've had to flip through the other books real quick just to see if we'd seen this one before. And this is a... It's snakes. Snakes. Little sneaky snakes. Snakes. And, and this whole chapter, just very foreboding, very bleak. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And yeah. kind of... As I walked away from these chapters, I went, oh, I hate the Aes Sedai a little bit. I don't like them. <laughs> um, but we start with Aes Sedai of sorts. We start with Samael. Mm -hmm. And he's visiting Grendel. What did you think of this whole, of the Grendel and Samael section? I mean, just in general, the way that the Forsaken interact with each other, yeah. because they're on a team but each one of them has their own agenda of, like, yeah. trying to step on the other one and trying to ascend. Uh, I, like, even more so with these two interacting, I think, it, it kind of hits into the overall theme of what I really liked about this chapter, and that's that, you know, show, don't tell. Right. Um, getting actual POVs of the Forsaken right now is so much more effective than hearing about how bad they are from yeah. the Aes Sedai and stuff. It. It fills in the context a little bit of, of the world, even, and why these, you know, things were so feared throughout history. Yeah. So, these two in particular, um, holy shit, they got a fucked up dynamic, don't yeah, they? Yeah, because it's, <laughs> Grendel took Samael to Sheogul, mm -hmm. and I think it was implied that they used to fuck. Yeah, yeah, um, but I romance. Think we've talked about Grendel and how horrifying compulsion is, mm -hmm. I've... <clears throat> I think a detail in this chapter is the fact that she has royalty in her court. Like, yep. she took the king's, like, brother and relatives, but he will never know because she disguises herself as this little old lady. And it's just so fucked up. Because Samuel's like, well, what are you going to do if they recognize it? She's like, if they see what I want to see. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> No, I, th I, I liked it because I think even, like, the, the disguise element um, yeah. is really starting to set in because I think in the first three books, maybe, they they kind of talk about it offhandedly of, you know, they, they hide in the shadows, they appear as, you know, as they aren't and stuff, but really kind of hammering home of, like, oh, it really isn't who you would suspect. It is yeah. a beggar on the street or just a commoner. It they yeah. They really are, like clowns as they are as we joke about every yes. so often they are very savvy of hiding in plain sight yeah um and this was just so so contextual about that yeah and so they talk about nay bliss a lot they talk about um brand and how much of a threat he is um what i loved is we find out through grendel's pov that whether this is the truth or not the the great lord ascent the great yeah the great one essentially 
promised her as Nablus. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to ask you, like, do you think Grendel is going to kind of be the villain of the book in the sense of like, we kind Mm. of tend to have a forsaken in our periphery for a book only for them to die. So do you think that's Grendel and Samael? I I definitely think it's Samael at at the very least, because I I think, you know, there, there's going to be a war in in Ilion for sure. Um, Man, I would, I'd like it. I don't know. I can't. Grenfell's being set up in such a cool way. Yeah, she's... I I would really like the slow burn of the terror that is Grendel. Yeah, and okay. I and I feel the same way about Simarog, and I actually feel like that one we are gonna get a little bit later more, and yeah. like maybe like flashes here and there. But I I could see it, but I I think it's primarily gonna be about Samuel. Okay. Um, and actually, I did have a um, one of my two predictions for this grouping of chapters right here. Ooh, okay. Uh, so she tells us that she's supposed to be nameless, right? Yeah. Um, I think that the uh, the great lord, as they refer to him, uh, has promised each and every one of them separately. He would that that they're all going to be. I nameless. think he's done that to everyone. Mm-hmm. He's kind of gone. Summon you here. Mm-hmm. You will be nameless if you do this. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I yep. mean, I mean, even for all of their, oh, don't tell Samuel any of this. Grendel tells Samuel. <laughs> but then we learn from Semarog that, like, Samuel is knowing only bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of playing against each other. Well, and then we have, we have, what is it? Is it Damager that didn't even show up? this time around yeah yeah so like i'm wondering that one too if that's a bit of a personal choice agenda thing or if that was at the command of our dark lord or what's going on because we know samuel missed the meeting in the intro uh right exactly so so, exactly so I, i think it's just a fascinating look at how the darkness operates in that way yeah. that that they are not they're not unified, you know, they are fractured and they're very much singular pieces. Right. But they're not a cohesive team, which I think is a bit of a theme that we're getting with, you know, yeah. Rand and, and, and the band of the red hand and stuff. And really these, these ties that, that bind us, you right. know? Um, so yeah, uh, hats off to this chapter, this, this chapter I fucking loved. What I noticed in this chapter is so Grendel has two like royal members of the Sharon like royal family and we mm-hmm. kind of learned shara is has been mentioned a couple of times uh valen lucas says he has a couple animals from there and i think elaine or Birgitta or someone said yeah no one's ever been to shara except like traders and you really want if you leave enter shara you don't leave okay wow so th- this when it came up totally flew over my head i just thought it was a new one that was like all right gonna put that in the pocket for later yeah <laughs> so Good to know we have heard of it before. Yeah, and so with, do you think we're gonna, sometime in the series, maybe see Shara? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. If you're talking about this, it's like, because we got, uh, we got, uh, Shale Ghoul and, and, was it Shidar? It's in, uh... Are those both the same city, though? One of them's just, like, uh, Old so, Tongue or something? Uh, Shinar is a nation not not shinar the uh the the bad city that matt got the dagger from. oh shale ghoul shale ghoul okay so so shale ghoul oh uh-huh. no uh shadar logoth thank you thank you okay so, so those are two in the same high past the mountains of doom all the way in the north is mm-hmm. shale ghoul mm-hmm. 
Um, Shara, they don't have the map because we're not focusing on the IUA. So, West, so like, Sean Chan, Aerith Ocean, Westlands, IUA, Shara. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of... We're absolutely going to see it. Okay. I, I, I don't think you you load up this amount of pretext or, yeah. or at the very least don't have th- this many players kind of uh you know linked to it without uh without something right yeah um and i'm trying to think so grendel's essentially promised nablus but probably still is everybody else <laughs> unreliable and... narrator exactly <laughs> so then the chapter ends with Semarog. yeah and i remember in because i remember this uh, happening when I first read the series, I forgot when, and I forgot, but it was so soon. Mm-hmm. And all last book we got from Mogadian, like, oh, you're making me act like Semarog, sweetie. That wasn't even touching Semarog. Mm-hmm. Like, what we find out is she was for four hundred years like the most celebrated healer. Yeah, she fucking tortured people to death. Like, yep. so she has captured an Aes Sedai named. Because I always say they they never just drop a name, Dice to Die. They never name drop an Dice Die without... I think it starts with a C, no? It did start with a C. It was... Carmen. Carmen San Diego. Carmen San Diego. <laughs> um, where is it? Camilla. <laughs> Camilla Cabello. Camilla Cabello. Karen with a C. That's just my stripper name. <laughs> Um. Oh, so Cabrina McCandis. What a great fucking name! Yeah, <laughs> she sounds like she has turquoise jewelry. Yeah, and yes, she enjoys watered down Cadillac margaritas. <laughs> um. So sh- her and her ward are being tortured. Uh, she is Semarong is accessing the pain mm-hmm. sectors in her brain, and she's just letting it build and it's so horrifying to think about how like you can't like that idea of just you know there's pain and you cannot fucking stop Mm. it and then she tortures the warder by doing pleasure to the point where he's like he chews his own tongue out and she kills him um horrifying like samurag this definitely Mogedian is my top Forsaken for just how she is. This set Samurag to the forefront just because I was like, what the fuck are you going to do? Like, I don't want you near anyone, yeah. you know? No, I think Samurag and, and Grendel to a point too have become the actual first two uh, Forsaken that I'm, I'm a little nervous about. Yeah. <laughs> I really wasn't nervous about any of them, especially after the track record <laughs> for yeah. a while. But um, yeah, I'm very curious how her interaction with Rand will come about because uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot in store there. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. And so um, that's how that how Chapter 6 ends. Chapter 7 is... Should have just leave this book open. <laughs> a Matter of Thought. And this is... Uh... Oh, this is Elaine. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so this is a good little, we, we like... We get some fun stuff here. Yeah, so... <laughs> Elaine and the other Aes Sedai essentially go into Teleranrion. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot of info, which I will look up, because I did not take notes this week. So, 
we get essentially information about the uh, inner workings of a lot of the con- uh, a lot of what's going on in the Westlands with like the Borderlands and uh, even within the White Tower. Um, so I have a couple of questions for you based off of this chapter on the whole three. Mm-hmm. We find out that there's been some Alviarn overstepping her role. Mm. So do you think we're going to get an Elida versus Alviarn tower? You know what? I really hadn't thought about it. Because uh, I think I was so wrapped up in the White Tower versus the Rebel Tower that I did not even think for a second that the White Tower could have a second deposing. <laughs> but now that you bring it up, uh, yeah, yeah. That I, I think... The White Tower. Oh, this is a little observation I just had. Oh. I think the White Tower is actually going to be somewhat anagal- uh, uh, analogous. Analogous? Analogous. Analogous. <laughs> uh, SAT word. There it is. Uh, to the Forsaken. Like, you know, that Ooh. they're going to start eating their own. Like an Ouroboros. Mm-hmm. I think is how you pronounce it. Exactly. All right. My second question. Who's getting to Rand first? The White Tower Emissary or Saladar? think the white tower because i think their intention is to still him do you well i because like i was thinking about it and i think well with the saladar tower there's so much waiting mm-hmm. i think like they're trying to strategize and it's kind of like you gotta just maybe well they're waiting for an omerlin to mm-hmm. crown their omerlin which is like okay. i don't know there's so with elida being deposed because we've seen in the past, Elida doesn't exactly think things through. Yeah. Do you think something's going to happen with Rand that maybe we fuck up a lot, cause the death of like maybe the Tower em- emissary? Jeez, I mean, I mean, it's a big prediction, but like, it's definitely possible because with Elida's short-sightedness and Rand's irrationality, yeah, because he is—he's a very rash person like he's growing he's maturing more but with loose theron and with his sanity mm-hmm. just fading. especially if anything happens to kind of his inner circle which yeah. i could totally see elida uh not purposefully doing but having a hand in yeah yeah i i i think rand is going to go off in this book okay like i think the madness is going to catch up to him in some kind of way i think he is a bomb that's going to go off he you know, I no idea what it means for the rest of the series by any means or anything. Yeah. But I think this is the book that does him in a little bit. And then this leads to my third question. You know, I just realized Elaine and Ileana, Lucerin's dead wife, kind of sound the same. Huh. And this chapter ends with Demandred uh, fucking knowing Elaine by name now. Huh. Do you think that maybe this loose theron is gonna come to a head where maybe we lose elaine at the hands of demandred or something that causes Rand to just go full nuclear it is possible i hope not but i think we're gonna get a lot in this book we're gonna get a lot more of the party faction is going to split up and have to fight their own battles a little bit and at the end of this chapter uh, the way that, you know, this was all written between Demandred and, and Elaine. I'm scared for her. <laughs> well, it's, we could also potentially, here's a theory. During, Samael is kind of used in Demandred's plot. Elaine somehow makes her way with the emissary to Camelin. Mm-hmm. 
gets involved with the war, maybe Gareth Brynn or someone, and Samael kills her. Shit. And there's some, there's just something. So do you, like, I guess, without painting too many broad strokes, so you kind of think maybe something's going to happen to Elaine at the end of this book? I think or, so. Or, like, I, by the end of this book, something will have happened to Elaine. Yeah, I don't think she's going to die. I, okay. I, I don't know. I just... It's a gut feeling that she's not. Maybe a hope, because I'm, I'm really starting to like her. Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah, maybe even at the end of this episode, I'm going to have to revisit who, uh, who who I'm putting the death mark on. Okay, because we actually didn't get to talk about that a little bit, um, about who you think will die at the end of this book. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I feel like <laughs> at, when we did Fires of Heaven, you are like, who do you think is going to die? Elida? And then <laughs> I was waiting for you to go, mm, maybe Moraine. But the second you were like, no, not Moraine, I don't think, I'm like, oh. No, I, I, I thought she was going to be there till the end. But, yeah, yeah, Elaine's got some bad stuff in store for her, and it's going to grow her. And yeah. that's, I think that's also why I don't think she's going to die yet. I, okay. I, don't, I don't think it's her time yet. Okay. Yet. I will save that question for the very end. <laughs> so then, uh, that brings us to chapter eight. The storm gathers our lovely nine eight. Oh, the storm. The, the storm, storm herself. Yeah, literally. So this chapter, something kept a name kept popping up. Morel, who is the green sister. Mm-hmm. I don't know why her name keeps getting brought up. Like every like within this chapter, she seems to encounter this woman mm-hmm. everywhere she goes. So do you think what like? Do you think Robert Jordan's setting like a confrontation up between Nynaeve and Morel, or do you think that what do the greens represent again? They're the battle Aja. What does the blue represent? Because I thought that uh, was they're blue. causes. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, well, I'm also trying to remember. Lan is heading out west. Yeah. His ba- bond was passed to someone else, mm-hmm. and we don't know who it is. And I, but we know that it's a woman out to the west. Let me flip on back. I'm. Trying to think of what all... No, that's aliases. We don't need that. Because I'm trying to remember if the Aja is ever specified. Because I cannot remember. Um, oh, wait, no. Moraine needs to die. If it was, I feel like it was a brown or a green. Um, but I don't know if it was. At least I don't remember. I just oh, it was like, bye, um, Rand asks Land to stay, but he must leave. Moraine passes Bond to a green sister. Well, there we go. So who do you think? Do you? Yeah. Who? The. Uh, oh, Morel. Yeah, Morel. Oh, okay. You gotta be, because otherwise, what other notable greens do we even know? Alana. Cheerium. Jesus. No, because I. Because I well, think I because I don't think it would be anybody that we would associate with Moraine. Because I think she's right. still even even with this being her last act, she's still pulling strings. She's still kind of in the shadows, doing this. It it kind of makes sense that she had one up her sleeve. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna side on that. Yeah. All right. Cool. So the running joke throughout this chapter, which I love, is Nadia keeps getting spooked by people appearing behind her, <laughs> and which is great. Um, I will be honest, I was playing Elden Ring while listening to this chapter, so, um, let me listen, let me do a quick little, like, um, oh, to, um, avoid some duties, uh, Nynaeve goes into an inn where there's Loghain, 
and we find out he's speaking with a bunch of nobles kind of telling his story of saying Mm -hmm. the red sisters made me proclaim myself as the dragon reborn so i'm kind of wondering your predictions for like the political implications of that like i think he's lying but i think it's gonna have some far-reaching implications (laughs) i know swan was the first one to really plant that Mm -hmm. in his head so I'm wondering if I don't know because we we have so many like little ties right now of you know we don't know when the Saladar arc is going to kick right. off and we don't know right. if maybe Loghain is going to stir another army mm-hmm. to him because of what the Red Sisters did you know everything is just... whether he's angling for it or not i think that's the ultimate what he's going to do i think he's going to get another refollowing i think nineve is going to f- figure out how to unstill people and unstill him maybe at rand's request or something hmm. uh and yeah i think i think logan is going to build another army interesting uh, um, yep you think nineve is going to heal logan Probably not like, you know, she's not going to, like, choose to do it or anything. But right. she's, you know, she needs test subjects. She needs to see if this thing works. Because she's been working with Swan and Leanna, and it hasn't mm-hmm. really been working. And I think she already said, like, I tried it with Loghain. I can't do it. It's... Mm-hmm. So I think maybe, like, she might try. She might try. But also, like, the other... Um, tell me if I'm skipping ahead too far in this chapter. But we meet somebody in this chapter that specializes in block with touching yes. the source and stuff yes i think that's the key to this because yes. we know nine can only channel when she's angry we also know she's a very adept wisdom yeah um you know and that healing kind of goes goes into a part of that i think some of the block is like i don't know what the missing thing is right but when she aligns up with her wisdomness, you yes. know her her talking to the wind and her healing abilities I think that's when it's all going to start, like, clicking into place. Okay. And like I said, I, I think, you know, she's probably going to unstill Swan first, but then to make sure it's not a fluke, and especially to try it on a man, I, th- I think Logan's going to get unstilled. Okay. I have nothing to say. You've got nothing to say. You've you got a good blank face. Your, your poker face has Thank come you. a long way. Thank you. <laughs> um, Cannot discern anything. So we learned that uh, the her whole reason for staying in Saladar was to learn healing with the other yellows. And we find out the yellow sisters have not been teaching her how to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, she passes by Uno and we learn that Julian and Tom have left and they're scouting in Amadisia. Uh, we find out Elaine's teaching some novices, which is cute. <laughs> It's nice. It is. Like I, I like that. For, I like that for Elaine. Um, Theodrin, um Oh yeah, there was this weird uh story with Theodrin who had a block Theodrin who had a block mm-hmm. and she could a- only channel when men were around. Mm-hmm. And so Sheer yeah, Shirium brought in a stable boy's twin sister and dressed her up as a boy and so uh theodrin's block was healed and then the twin sister was like (laughs) some funny some funny psychology going around yeah and i am i am curious what that moment is good because i'm I'm very confident that nanae is going to kind of figure it out and have that moment and i think it's going to be very glorious when it happens but i'm wondering what that 
that pull is going to be, what that key to unlock it is going to be. If it's, yeah, like, I don't know. Uh, I'm very excited for it, though, whenever it happens. And I do think it's going to be happening this book. Okay. Um, so, early, uh, the chapter ends with her speaking with Mogedian about how to detect male channeling. And then Elaine comes in and says, uh, there was a strange Aes Sedai, Elaine, uh, Night of Salt earlier, and we found out um, it is Tarna Fear of the Red Aja from the White Tower. And she's meeting with the Saladar sisters. And um, the chapter ends with the Nynaeve kind of thinking a storm is coming. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that's a, both a, because she keeps going. It was supposed, it should, like, the weather is telling her it should be, like, hailing right now, but it's right. not. Right. So I'm wondering if the storm, if you think it's a both legitimate storm or a, um, a theoretical storm, if that's the word i definitely think it's metaphorical like i think the theme in this book and i'm starting to get a little bit better about catching on to the themes being presented as a series and the themes being presented by the individual book and this one like the big one is the weather like it is supposed to be a certain way but it is not like things are just out of order right now yeah and with the storm approaching uh metaphorical i i don't think it's gonna be like a real one although it could be and that could be like a big you know a big topsy-turvy, like, we just had this, like, crazy weather, and now we're getting crazier weather, but I think yeah. what it actually is, I think we're gonna have a showdown between the Aes Sedai and the Saladar. Alright. Yeah. Alright, cool, cool. Yeah. That's my, yep, that's my, that's my other big prediction of this book coming from this chapter. Nice. That we are gonna have a lot of infighting on the quote-unquote good side. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so that brings us to chapter nine, Plans. Plans! Plans! With our good friend, Pedro Nile. Yeah, miss this guy. This is a... That. <laughs> nice. Wait, you need to do that again. We have Pedro Nile. Oh, uh, miss this guy. Not. <laughs> so yeah, this is another one of those uh, political catch-up chapters. Mm-hmm. You know, very... It's setting up pieces on the chessboard yes um so pedro nile has a fake spy that he just kind of lets like wander around doing his little thing and then he has another spy who is a seven bowler who kind of is giving him all of the dirt and um trying to like yeah he's basically got a a a spy that everybody knows about and then he's got his real actual spy. yeah which very smart of him and very smart and very shall we say i'm not i'm not insinuating anything here but very forsaken of him very mm. very dodgy very not quite nefarious but very uh how you say espionage yeah <laughs> spy thriller. well because i mean of the male forsaken now we have uh osengar demandred samael yeah that's it yep so, I mean, it would be weird if all of a sudden Petra Nile was Osengar, right. which doesn't seem possible. But, I mean, we have seen in the past Forsaken do take can take the form mm-hmm. of other people. So, do you yeah. think maybe like Seven Bauer or someone? <laughs> maybe it's not my prediction, but I wouldn't be surprised if that heel turn yeah. comes. I think this is really much a a, a chapter to kind of like 
bring the audience in on like what's happening on a macro level yeah uh, i kind of go remember the white cloaks yeah exactly like the nudge nudge of like people are mobilizing yeah things are happening and i think too like it's the only way you can do it to get away from rand's camp (laughs) yeah right now it is it is all centered on rand and what's happening there and kind of his uh external conflict and stuff so it totally makes sense from a narrative point of view to have a bit of a palate cleanser right and again like blow out the world a little bit like what is happening here and here yeah stuff like that and kind of a from all the magic of the Aes Sedai and the Dragon Reborn to a purely human person, yeah. no magic, only the magic of lies and whispers. Because <laughs> he's going to have uh, Balwar start rumors that the Black Aj has fully taken over the tower and all of that. Yeah, and I think I think it points to like why we were being set up so much about the uh, the whole concept of the uh, game of houses. Yeah, and not only that, but how you know if someone was really good at playing that game, Tom. Uh, oh, yeah. you can it's powerful and you know you don't need to have external muscle so to speak to make things happen in this world yeah so that's kind of a theme i was kind of like digging a little bit i think so i'm wondering because we have pedro nile who is a bigger player mm-hmm. but uh, we talked about at the end of shadow rising how we're not done with the dane born hall right paranoid bar do you think we're starting to ease because we've had a book off of uh, parent, do you think maybe we're gearing into a maybe a bookless uh, book without Rand, and maybe we focus more on parent and other sort of cultures that we haven't quite met yet? Yes, but for that to happen, there has to be a natural resting point. Like, yeah. It was weird that Perrin was absent until you kind of realized, like, oh, no, he's, like, on the other side of the map. Yeah. And also when we revisited, like, oh, the True Rivers has been, like, growing and building. Yeah. And, like, it's been, like, a real, not like a, it, it's it's just, like, something that's happening but very much off to the side. And for that to happen, I feel like Rand has either, uh, has to die temporarily. Yeah. Uh, which I do believe is possible. Or he's got to, like... It's weird because I want to say, like, go away and, like, find a mentor or something. But, like, that feels like that we just did that with the whole Io Waste and everything. Like, <laughs> we thought he did that with Asmodee and look how that turned out. Yeah, exactly. Maybe so, he goes to Shara? Oh, maybe. If, if he does, that well, would be Well, because you predicted that uh, Rand and that the, wind, uh, the Sea Folk were coming back. Mm-hmm, very true. And Rand's their Coral more. Yeah. Do you think that maybe the Sea Folk will kind of, he'll kind of go, let's go to Shara? I hope so. I hope so because what's impressing me so much about this book is we are getting away from the Rand band. Yeah. Um, you know, we're getting some more in-depth look at the Forsaken. Even this chapter I really like because, again, we're blowing out the world. Yeah. The um, web is growing ever, like, we're, we're, it's no longer just about the Chosen One. It's yes. about... We're getting away from the prophecy. Yeah, and, and I stuff. think... Like, it's going to happen, don't get me wrong. Right. But to make us give a shit more, you got to make the world breathable. you got to make it yeah. alive. There's got to be a little bit more stakes, and you got to see what else there is. Because I feel like if you just focus on the Chosen One, which I think a lot of stories do, you're like, okay, great. We see his journey and all that. But I think to expand the world further and go, no, here is this faction. But, yeah. you know, I think it creates more stakes because... 
you know, Perrin is tied to the White Cloaks in yeah. some way, and so is Galad, and in turn, Elaine. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, every kind of faction that we dip into is connected all back to Rand somehow. You know what I could see happening? I mm. could see Rand accepting the title of Nablus, and while that is happening, however it happens, I have no idea, but while that is happening, we don't get any Rand. Mm. He is he is on the dark side, and we just let him stay there for a full book, and then we get his return to the light. Yeah, however that happens in the next book, and whether that happens in this book, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so, but I do see that type of trajectory: either him dying, dying temporarily, and coming back, or him going to the dark side and back. Okay. Yeah. And so the chapter ends with a more gaze POV. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, at first like when I first read this series i was like nah, i don't care about more case it's getting a little interesting yeah she's hearing about what rand is doing in andor and about how a lot of the people at camelin are kind of the people who weren't toadies to Ravine. yep so it's interesting to see how this plays out so i'm curious to see to ask more how do you think the more arc is gonna like, what do you think at the end of Lord of Chaos is going to be Morghese's where we leave? Oh, she's she's going to be, like, full-on back in power. Um, okay. Because she, she, she is the queen that has history with Tom and stuff, yeah. right? Yes. And we see we see her and how she's pretty savvy in this yeah, chapter, kind of, like, not letting... Savvy. Yeah, like, not letting on more than she feels so she can get more information and stuff. I kind of see her playing the game of houses too. I think we're going to get so much more political with this yeah. book. Like not even, not even like political, you know, in the way that we think about it, but like, uh, how you say, uh, real politique. Uh, yeah. You know, like the, the maneuvering and the, the, the social right. ties and the, yeah, the, the maneuvering. So I think we're going to, I think we're going to need a lot more of that. I think she's going to be a big player by the end of this book. Okay. Yeah. And so that brings us to the last chapter. What a fucking chapter it is. Jesus. Chapter 10, A Saying in the Borderlands. So, um, I don't think this requires a content warning, but... But if you're a little squeamish about consent, uh, if the idea of compulsion in this series makes you a little squeamish, yeah, uh, just be aware we're heading into that territory. So, I guess the big thing to talk about is Alana Force Bonds ran. Yeah. And, and we get a little bit more context into how bonding works. Because yeah. I didn't realize that was it i thought it was a bit of a i i always viewed it more as an agreement right in a way like like a contract between two parties yeah no the Sedai just fucking zap them well because elaine because we just saw with elaine mm-hmm. she talked about how a lot of times they just did it mm-hmm. but she then she saw like there was either ceremony and then we saw i realized there's a little bit of foreshadowing elaine uh, bonding Brigitte without Brigitte knowing him. Yep, exactly. Like I. Oh my God! And it's both under the guise of healing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's so funny because um, you were talking about how in the last book you don't trust Alana and how, <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm, you think she's gonna force bond Perrin? And you're like, yeah, I think it's gonna happen. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wrong, wrong guy. Yeah, it's... wrong, wrong Tavirin. Yeah, wrong fucking Tavirin. It's. And it's so funny because um, we were talking pre-show about how in the show, you know, it's kind of like you know things that happen. Like watching Leandrin, I think mm-hmm. they're I, I think they're going to combine her with um, another Isodai who we've met, but I won't say her name yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alana, 
kind of knowing now, if we were to rewatch season one, it's so interesting to go, oh, mm-hmm. well, and like we know that one of her warders has died. I think masking died has been killed, I believe. And so, yeah, it's really fucking interesting. It's, and the implications of that are going to be fascinating. So I'm curious to know, I mean, they have, Elaine has to find out. Someone has to find out. So I'm wondering what you think the implications of this going forward are going to be. All right. So let's, let's make sure we, let me make sure I understand it clearly Uh, as as a veteran, please guide me along exactly what happened. So I've got the full picture because we have Alana who, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, like I'm going to heal you, baby. Like, don't, don't even worry. I'll I'll, I'll make all your hands go away. And then she force bonds Rand, but then he cuts them both off from the source. He shields them. Yeah. But they are still bonded. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So. Yeah, so it was it was not a like, oh, you he know, didn't. I might take a break right here. I think I hear keys jangling outside the door. Maybe it was just someone walking. I hear uh, raincoat. Oh, it was raincoat. raincoat. I fucking love raincoat. Um, jeez. Oh, okay, and Alana, because um, I know I didn't trust her, she is a part of the original White Tower. Yes. Yes, okay. Uh, I mean, it's not going to go over well. I mean, no. this is, what, what Aja is she? Green. I mean, this is, this She's is. She's not setting a good example for the Green sisters. No, not at all. It's interesting because, like, there, there is, like, a, a spider web of shit that could happen here because this could be a dirty little secret because you know Rand probably doesn't want anyone knowing about this yeah um probably can't have anyone knowing about this because it'll make him look weak and make alana look extremely powerful uh he can't kill her the bond probably you know him up exactly so there's now in a forced attachment there where he has to look out for her and protect her it i I don't know this. It's, this the it <laughs> throws everything off, and it's so just like oh fuck. It 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 changes the dynamic in a way, and again, like this grouping of chapters, I think has really made me fallen for the series a little bit more. Um, it has absolutely just flipped everything that we know. Um, uh, tons of possibilities. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, this is in The Great Hunt. Um, Alana says when she first meets Perrin, um, you're very attractive. I would bond you, but it's not... It's essentially against custom to bond a man against his will, so I won't. So... Hypocrite. (laughs) Yeah, no. So, it's so funny. Like, even, like, when I was, like doing a reread and with the great hunt like swan being deposed is foreshadowed because swan goes yeah the last time a blue was deposed it was by a red sister and then guess who fucking deposes her a red sister sister. alana keeps going i would never bond a man against this woman she bonds a brand yep i so it's (laughs) there's so fucking much that's been set up and keeps coming back Mm -hmm. But we also find out in this chapter that uh, Bodwin, Matt's younger sister... Yeah, comes y- back in the picture. Yeah, so I'm wondering if... Do you think we're going to get maybe like a Coffin sibling team-up? Or do you think Matt's just so far removed from this that maybe he's just like... 
we are definitely going to get a reunion and on a personal level the stakes have just been up so much more because uh we know he cares about them so much and matt's whole journey has been him somewhat against the Aes Sedai. so it'll be really interesting for him that dynamic is going to be interesting and like not only that but like the the sibling in danger too yeah because we know he's got a you know and i think the show hit this a little bit harder than the book but i think it's still intact of how much he cares yeah for his family and it's really funny because they de-aged his sisters a little bit in the show they're like a lot younger because mm-hmm. Bodwin is 16 i think in the books mm-hmm. so i'm curious to see what they do with this because i could also see it easily being a thing they just kind of they might sidestep it in the show because, like, I could, I don't want to, don't want to predict anything too fucking dour in this episode, but I don't know. Just like Oliver, I'm like, uh oh, we got oh. A, we got a cute little sibling. Oh god. I think she might be on the chopping block as far as mortality goes. Well, I mean, when Rand leaves after being bonded by uh, Alana, everyone's like, "You're the Dragon Reborn." I don't believe you. He picks up Bodwin and another Aes Sedai, and Bodwin is like horrified and shaking to quote the twitter kids screaming crying vomiting throwing (laughs) (laughs) she was shook it she was shook it um but yeah it's a pretty this was a pretty bleak episode a little bit a little bit it was and yet like i don't know there's a depth now to these books that i'm really enjoying there's like yeah we definitely spent a lot of time with these characters to to give a shit about them but now the inner mechanisms of the world are really like becoming apparent and right yeah i don't know there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of dynamic here that i that i'm appreciating yeah yeah and so we'll have to see all how all these dynamics play out the impl- the repercussions that mm-hmm. we're going to be seeing of alana's bonding of the forsaken's plans of the white close plans of more cases as we continue on through the books and we hope to see you with us and with that We'd like to thank you for coming out and joining us. If you are listening to the clean and pretty version, why not join us on our Discord server? Um, We have some fun things coming up. We have a discussion review of Stormfront by Jim Butcher next week, as well as our continuing into Wheel of Time. Eric, where can they find us? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter at loyal underscore S, or you can find us on Instagram at Loyal's Book Club. Nice. And... If you want to catch up, find our old episodes. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. And we will see you next time. May you always walk in the light. And may you always find water and shade. All right. We'll see you.